in the fruit of the Spirit tonight. So open your Bible to Galatians 5. Page 893 if you have a pew Bible. And I'm just going to read these two verses and we'll start. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity we have tonight to gather, study your word, to call out to you in prayer, to know that you hear us. Have your way in our hearts. Guide us that we would be kind people the way that you would have us to be. We love you. Fill me tonight with your spirit. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Help me to say what you once said. Nothing more, nothing less. Be glorified in all things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now the King James translates this one as gentleness. But I was, as I was studying, I saw that every, virtually every translation I looked at translates it as, as kindness rather than gentleness. Uh, rather than gentleness. So I'm going to go with kindness tonight. Um, and, and I'm sure the Greek language is a reason why that is, but so I'm going to stick with kindness. Now, just a general idea of what kindness is in the Bible. Kindness is an attitude making us gracious and considerate results in our doing what we can to help those in need. Now, biblically speaking, kindness doesn't wait on needs to be brought to it. Biblical kindness sees the need and then is moved to take action. It takes the initiative to do what is necessary to meet the needs. Uh, when I talk about biblical kindness to teenagers, whether I've done it in Sunday school class or in youth ministry, what I say is kindness is if you see somebody being picked on at school, right? it's not kind to just not join in. That's not kind. It's not kindness to say, to wait on them to come to you to ask them to be your friend before you intervene. Kindness sees them being picked on and then jumps in to, to take up for them or to help them or to befriend them. A kind person, a biblically kind person, is not indifferent to what's going on in the lives of the people around them. A biblically kind person isn't harsh with those they deal with. A biblically kind person is not unconcerned about the needs, hurts, and burdens of those around them. A biblically kind person isn't too busy to help those in need. A biblically kind person isn't bitter and angry in their attitudes and in their actions. Right. So that's just a general idea of what this word kindness or gentleness means. So there are four or three general truths about kindness that we need to know before we learn how to cultivate it. The first is... Kindness is a characteristic of God. Now probably the idea that God is kind is not shocking or new information to anyone in here tonight. But what we may not realize is what it means God is kind. When I was reading about God's kindness, one of the things that I noticed is God's kindness was always active. Again, God, the kindness in the Bible is not passive, it is active. There's nothing in the Bible that ever says God is kind, and then that's just the end. Instead, as it describes God's kindness, it always describes God's kindness as doing something for the benefit of others. Right? And there were three specific truths about kindness as a characteristic of God. The first one is God is kind to everyone. Now, this is a, a hard saying because, keep in mind, 
All that we're going to learn about the kindness of God is we're to emulate that in our lives. Right? So God is kind to everyone. Right? And in the passage, Jesus says, but love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your rewards shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the most of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Right? So God shows his kindness to those who are grateful for it. And God shows His kindness to those who are ungrateful for it. God is kind to those who love Him and seek to serve Him. And God is kind to those who do not love Him and do not seek to serve Him. And, and instead live intentionally sin-filled lives. Now, this passage is a parallel to the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says that God causes the sun to rise on the just and on the unjust. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So what we're supposed to see from this is God's kindness isn't restricted just to those who love Him. God is not merely kind to those who care about Him and His will and His ways. God is kind to everywhere. God shows a measure of kindness to all people everywhere all of the time. In, in a variety of ways that we don't have time to get into. But our lesson from this is that that's an, uh, that is what we're to do in our lives. Um, that is how we're to be. Just as God loves His enemies and does good, we are to love our enemies and to do good. Just as God is kind to the unthankful and to the evil, we are to be kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Now part of what that would mean is we are to be kind to those who appreciate our kindness, which that's easy enough to do most of the time. But it also means we are to be kind to those who don't appreciate it. Have you ever have you ever done an act of kindness for someone, an undeserved act of kindness for someone, and rather than be appreciative for what you have done, they sort of develop an entitled mentality? Well, yeah, you should have done this, and probably you should have done this last week. Now, it's easy to say, well, I won't make that mistake again. And yet, that's not what we're supposed to do. Because if, if God only showed His kindness to those who appreciated it, how many of us would have suffered without God's kindness in our life at various points in our life? But we are to emulate God and be kind to those who appreciate it and be kind to those who would never appreciate it. It, it also means that we are to be kind to those whose beliefs and lifestyles are like our own. It's easy to be kind to people who are like us. But it's more difficult to be kind to people who are very different than us. And yet we're also to be kind to those whose beliefs and actions and morals are vastly different from ours. And if we were to put this into like out of a realm of just the abstract realm of someone somewhere that's different, to put it in more specifics, we should be willing to do acts of kindness for Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ, absolutely. But we should be willing to do acts of kindness for Muslims and Buddhists and Jehovah's Witnesses as well. We should be willing to do acts of kindness for those who have our same beliefs and lifestyle. But we should be kind to homosexuals, to transgenders, to peoples whose lifestyles are vastly different than ours. God is kind to everyone. And if we're to be like Jesus, then we are to be kind to everyone as well. God's kindness is ultimately revealed in Jesus, is the second truth about God's kindness. 
uh, we see this in Ephesians, and he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians 2, as we know we studied a few months ago, Paul lays out several reasons for God's actions on behalf of humanity. And in these verses he gives what would kind of be the final reasons is so that in the ages to come he could point to us and he could say, they are recipients of my grace, of my goodness, of my mercy, and of my kindness. Right? So in kindness, God took the plan or took the initiative to develop the plan of salvation. Right? So that's kind of the picture. We we were in need. We were sinners. We were hopeless. We were helpless. We were not calling out to God, save us from our sin, fix this problem, help us, O oh God. We were happy in our sin. We were contented in our lives. And yet, our lives were bring, going to bring death and destruction. And so God, in kindness, took the initiative to develop the plan that required Jesus to come down the cross for our sins. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's kindness towards man. Right? So, for us, in order to, to be kind, a part of that is that we kind of have to try to connect people to Jesus. Right? It's good to be kind and give them maybe food or money or shelter or things along those lines. All of that is wonderful. But if we don't connect them to Jesus, we haven't given them the ultimate kindness there is. The gospel, the message of salvation, that is what people need above all else. God's kindness is revealed in Jesus, and, and God's kindness brought salvation. Since God's kindness is revealed in Jesus, it makes sense that His kindness results in our salvation. Paul said it this way in Titus, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing, the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, or yeah, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. God's kindness was in Jesus, and it resulted in salvation. Um, we weren't saved by our good deeds. We weren't saved by our personal righteousness. We were saved because of what Christ has done, and that was a a picture. That was a part of God's kindness toward us in the person. Of Jesus Christ. Uh, I guess again for us. It is an act of kindness to try to connect people to Jesus. And I think that's an important concept. Because in America particularly. It is not seen anymore in our day as kindness to try to share the gospel with someone. I've shared the article before where the guy referred to proselytizing. Trying to convert someone from another religion to Christianity. As, as more or less, I think he called it spiritual rape. That's not an uncommon view in our day. It is not uncommon for people to act, to say that what we do in trying to share Jesus with people is an act of aggression. It is an act of oppression. It is all of these bad things. The reality is it is the greatest act of kindness we can show people. And, and even if people don't understand that, you and I, we have to know that. We we have to understand that, that God's kindness brought salvation and and when we share that salvation, when we share that message, it is not oppression. It is not aggression. It is not spiritual rape. It is the ultimate act of kindness that we could possibly do. 
for someone in their life. So, first truth about kindness. Kindness is a characteristic of God. Second, kindness flows from love. Kindness flows from love. We find this in 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffers long and is kind. It envies not. It's not vaunted. And it's not puffed up. Since love is kind, then a part of the reason I am kind to people is because I love them. But when we are concerned about the problems of others, it's because we love them. When we see what we can do to help with those problems, it's because we love them. When we notice the needs of others, we notice because we love them. When we see if we can help with those needs, it's because we love them. When we love someone, we look beyond all we have going on in our lives and we see what's going on in their life as well. We see their needs, their hurts, their concerns, and their burdens. And we are moved to do something to try to help them in that time. Kindness, we, we aren't harsh or snappy in the people that we interact with because we love them. Our acts of kindness toward others always flow from our love for them. right? And I think that's a part of what makes kindness kindness. It's not a forced thing. I'm not... Making myself do it. This isn't meant to be something I, well, I'm going to check my box and I'm going to go out and do five kind things this week. I mean, we can do that and maybe that would help train us. But really, kindness should, should naturally overflow in our lives. My love for you should cause me to, to see what's going on in your life and be concerned about it. My love for people in general should cause me to see and to recognize signs of, of hurt, of anxiety, of fear, of worry. And, and know and look for ways that I can help them. Now if we see kindness as a result of love, then we could say that a lack of kindness is evidence of a lack of love. Which that's a hard thing. That's a kind of a hard thought to think about. And as I thought about that, there's a question. Uh, I had along those lines. Hey, Jesus said the great commandment was to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said the second commandment was like it, and that was to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. He, he also said the golden rule was to do unto others as we would have them to do unto us. So it would then be accurate to say our kindness to others should be a reflection of the way we want others to be kind to us. So the question is, is it? Does the way I treat other people, the kindness I show other people, does that reflect the way I want to be treated? If, I, if they treated me as I treated them, would I see that as kindness or cruelty? Would I see that as love or hatred? How would I interpret my actions if someone did them towards me? I think that is a, a huge question for us to ask. Do if if I treated if Scott treated me the way I treated Scott, would I say Scott loves me? He is a friend that loves me and cares about me. Or would I say no? Right? And that's kind of the question we have to think about. Because love leads to kindness. When I love someone and kind to them. The, the third truth is kindness is necessary for ministry. 
A ministry is serving Jesus by serving others. This requires kindness on our part. Paul talks about how he approved himself as a minister of God and in much patience and afflictions and necessities, distresses and stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors and watchings and fastings by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness. Now, to me, I think that's interesting, right? Because I look at that list, and in all the rest, I would say absolutely. I mean, that, to me, sure, if I'm going to serve Jesus by serving others, then I'm going to have to be patient. I'm going to have to keep on keeping on. Right? Afflictions are almost certainly going to happen. There's going to be distresses because it's hard. Now, stripes and imprisonments, I mean, that doesn't happen much in my day. But in labor, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by the Holy Ghost, by love and fame, absolutely. But kindness isn't one we often think about. Because, I think it's because our world is not kind right now, is it? I mean, our world is angry and hate-filled and, and, and borderline violent all the time. Kindness is not seen as, by the culture at large, kindness is not seen as a positive character trait that we are to have, particularly towards those who are not like us. Now, we should be kind to those who have the same values we have but not so much toward those who are different than us. And yet what we see in Scripture is that one of the ways someone is approved as a minister of God is by kindness. But we aren't meant to be like the world. We are meant to be different. If we are to be truly ministers for Christ, we must be kind. Because Ministering to others, it requires us to put their needs ahead of our own at times. It enables us to do that. It enables us to see those needs, to care. It enables us to not be harsh when maybe we want to be harsh. Right? Because, again, the world is angry. What is the natural reaction to anger your way? To show anger right back. But is that what we as disciples of Jesus, is that what we're supposed to do? No, we're not. And so the love and the kindness, it enables us to kind of absorb that anger and respond with kindness. Because think about it like this. If, if Red's lost and I'm trying to reach him and I'm trying to talk to him, I'm trying to be a witness for him, but he's angry and he lashes out, and I lash back. Do I show him anything unique or different about me and my life? Or do I show him, you're just like me. Why, why do I need what you have when you're not any different than I am? But what if red lashes out in anger and I continue to be kind? And no matter how often he's angry, no matter how harsh he may be with me, I respond with kindness, with compassion, with love, over and over and over again. You think at some point he's going to start to wonder what is wrong with him? He is different than I am. But that's what we're meant to do as ministers of Jesus Christ. Kindness is absolutely necessary if we're going to effectively minister for Christ. So, what can we do to develop this kindness. There are five ways that I saw in Scripture 
and it's not as long as it sounds. The first is, see kindness as a necessity and not an option. I was thinking about this because our world is not kind. And because our world is not kind, I'm not sure we see it as a necessity. And In fact, I can think of famous Christian people in our day who have said that it's that kindness is overrated. And that's not the exact quote, but that's essentially what they said. That in a, in a hostile, angry, obnoxious world, the right answer is to be hostile, angry, and obnoxious right back. Because kindness isn't not only devalued by the world, the reality is kindness is often devalued by the church. And we see it as optional. I, I can be kind, and I probably should be kind, but it's not that big of a deal if I'm not kind. And yet scripture has a different point of view. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. So, again, we don't have time to get deep into the passage, but just notice the point. That as the elect of God, holy and loved by God, that's who we are. As Christians, we are, we are God's elect, God's chosen, God's saved, God's children. And because of that, we are also holy And we are loved by God. So since God chose me, since God loved me, and since God has made me into something different, I am to to put on something. And a part of what I am to put on is kindness. Now, nothing in this passage would give us the impression that kindness is an option. Nothing in this passage would... And if we were to read the whole context, nothing in it before or after would lead us to believe that we should put on kindness maybe if we want to and if it's convenient. Everything would say, if you're a Christian, if you've been born again, then part of the passage is strip off the old, which is not kind, and put on the new, which is made like Jesus, which is kind. So a part of what it would take for us to develop kindness in our life is a mindset that says, I must be kind. Not just it would be a good idea or I should be. I must be. This is who I'm meant to be. I am meant to be a kind person. Because I am the elect of God. I am holy in God. I am beloved by God. So I must be kind. Becoming kind is something we must see as an obligation. In our life. Secondly, make spiritual growth a priority. Now, this was something I was glad to find because not everything in the Christian life comes easily. Some things take time to develop, and God is well aware of that. Now, some people are probably naturally kind, some people are not. And if you're not naturally kind, then that doesn't necessarily excuse you from being kind. We're still supposed to be kind. But God is kind and loving and knows us. And He knows that some things take time. And in order to develop these things, we must make growth a priority. I I like this. So besides all this, give all diligence to add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, Brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity, or love. Now, 
some things about this one. Notice we are to give all diligence to add to our faith. And so this is effort on our part. It's, it's effort that we're to add. We have to put forth the effort. Give all diligence to add to your faith. But I don't know that I could necessarily prove that these things are in, the, in that order. But I think they are. Right? Because virtue is, is essentially like morality. Well, one of the first things that changes with anybody that's saved is there's some moral changes happen almost immediately. And, and then knowledge, right? So someone gets saved, there's some things they're doing in their life, they know I'm not supposed to be doing this. And so they try to stop it, whether it's how they talk or what they're doing. I mean, there was something in their life that, was, that the Holy Spirit used to convict them to show them their need for Jesus. So whatever that was, they get up from praying and they say, I need to put that out of my life. Well, what else do I need to do? So they get in the Bible, they come to church, and they add knowledge. Then they add temperance, that, that self-control. And on and on it goes. And I think it gets harder as time goes on because love, charity, the last one, love, as we've seen in, in the first lesson on the Holy on the through the Spirit, love, love as the Bible defines it is just ridiculously difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's not the Hollywood... I love you or someone better comes along kind of meaning. I mean, it's a deep, hard, abiding sort of thing. So brotherly kindness being second to last, I think pictures the difficulty of adding this to our time, uh, to our lives. That God knows that being kind, as we, if we've already talked about, is not easy. It is not probably natural to some people. I'll say it's not natural to me. My natural sinful tendency is not kind, as we've talked about. It is snarky. It is hateful. My natural tendency is not kind. So for me to be kind takes time and effort. And I have to. it comes not because I'm going to say I'm going to be kind. It comes because I say I'm going to be more like Jesus. I'm going to do everything I can to add to my faith, to grow more and more like Christ. Because as I become more like Jesus, I will become more kind. So if kindness isn't natural to you, that doesn't excuse it. That doesn't make it okay that you're not kind. But what it does mean is you don't have to say, well, gosh, I'm a terrible Christian because I'm never, I'm not, I struggle with kindness. I'm a failure, I can't do this. Instead, what it means is, give it time. Put forth the effort. Grow in your faith. Try to, to strive to add these things to your faith because as you grow spiritually, you will grow more kind. That's a part of what happens when we grow. So if we want to develop kindness, we have to make a point to do what is necessary to grow spiritually. Thirdly, want to be kind. I, and I mentioned this with a different one that we talked about in the fruit of the Spirit. This one, the next one, both. But I think they're both really important for this one in particular. Because the question is, do we want to be kind? I mean, think about just what we've talked about with kindness in this passage. Do we truly want to be kind to those who will not appreciate it? And will probably expect us to show that same level and that same kind of kindness 
again. Do we want to do that? Do we want to be kind to those whose beliefs and lifestyles are radically different from ours? Do we want to be kind to people who aren't kind themselves? Do you know people who just don't deserve kindness from other people because of how they act? Do we want to be kind to those people? You know, biblically speaking, another person's attitudes or actions shouldn't actually affect our attitudes and actions. Now, that's not the way the world thinks. The world says you give as you get. Right? If, if someone's kind to you, then be kind in return. If someone's hateful to you, be hateful in return. But we're, we're not the world, are we? We are disciples of the risen Christ. And we are meant to be different. We are not meant to emulate the world. How the world acts is not meant to determine how we act. What the world thinks is not meant to be the way we think. The world is filled with angry, hateful people. And the proper response for the disciple of Jesus is not to be as angry and as hateful as they are. That's the natural response. But it's not the right response. It's not the response of a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led disciple of Jesus. That's why I say, do we really want to be kind? Do you, do I, want to be kind to the hateful, to the disrespectful, to the ungrateful, to those who don't believe anything remotely like what we believe? Do we want to be kind to those people as our Father in Heaven is kind to those people? Before we will ever bear the fruit of the Spirit, there has to be a desire, a want to do this in our lives. And then finally, surrender to the Holy Spirit. As far as I can tell in Scripture, it is rare for God to force people to do things. I mean, He can, right? I mean, we, He forced Jonah to go to Nineveh. I mean, He had him swallowed by a large fish and His choices at that point were digestion or going. You know, by and large, that's not the way He does. As a general rule, what God does is He says, here's what my way is. And my way's best because it's my way. Trust me and go my way. Isn't that what He says in like, was it Psalm 32? Don't be like the mule who has to be led by a bit and a bridle. Right? He, he doesn't want to have to jerk and force us. He wants to say, do this. And we would say, yes, Lord, that's your will. And so that's what I'll do. Well, that's, that's kindness is kind of like this. God isn't likely to, to knock us down and stick His elbows in the back of our head and make us give. What He's going to do is He's going to show us from Scripture what it looks like to be kind. He's going to show us from Scripture that He is kind. And then He's going to say, go and do likewise. The question is, are we? Are we going to surrender to the Holy to God, to the Holy Spirit? Because 
God wants us to be kind. He's leading us in that way. The Holy Spirit is working to produce this. And so it is, it's a matter of surrendering. Now the thing about surrender or submission is that it's not surrender and it's not submission until you don't want to do it. I often joke I don't have to submit to eat bacon. right? But I would have to submit to eat kale. I don't like that. In the same way, being kind, if you're a naturally kind person, there's probably not a lot of submission required in you. But if you're like me, and kindness isn't natural to you, guess what? Submission is required. It's required of us to say, I do not want to be kind to this person in this instance, in this moment. But God, because that's what you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, and that, that's the choice that we face. Because God has revealed it. This is what I want you to do. The Holy Spirit is working to produce it. And of course, we, we, we know from the passage in Galatians 5 that part of the point, if you look at verse 16 and 17, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, the lack of kindness, the the responding in anger like the world does, that's the flesh. That's not the Spirit. I mean, that's never the Spirit of God leading us to act like the world. The Spirit's leading us to, to act like God. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So part of the picture here is that within us, there is a, a struggle. There's a very real struggle. The Spirit's saying, be kind. And the flesh saying, no, don't be kind. So which one are we going to submit to? Am I going to submit to the, the flesh that says, act like the world? Or am I going to submit to the Spirit that says, act like Jesus? And in all every instance, it, it is going to be our choice to make. We will choose what we do in a given moment. right? Because, And that's the thing. It is in a given moment. That's part of what makes it hard. Because right now, with this message, if we could say, raise our hands and say, Oh Lord, I submit to you to be kind. We would all probably do it. And if that made it, when we walked out of here, we would be forever kind. We would probably all do it. But it doesn't work that way. What's going to happen is we're going to hear this. We're going to say, I I want to be kind. I should be kind. And we're going to get on social media. Or we're going to go out and there there are idiots all around us. And, And they are going to threaten something in us and make it well up that we are going to want to not be kind. And in that moment, there is a submission that has to take place. Will I submit to my flesh and lash out? Or will I submit to the Spirit and be kind? And that's where it's difficult. Because right now, I want to be kind to everybody. Tomorrow may be a different world. And in that moment when I don't want to be kind, That's where submission comes in. So what will I submit to? What will you submit? Will we submit to the flesh that says, act like the world? React like the world? Or will we submit to the Spirit that says, act like Jesus? React like Jesus. Be kind in the face of this unkind action. Be kind in the face of this ungrateful person. Be kind In the midst of these harsh and angry words. And in the end, if we are not willing to submit to the Spirit in that moment, 
we will never be kind. And we will never bear the fruit of the Spirit as we should. Submission is absolutely required of us. To deny ourselves, our wants, and our will, and to say in this moment, your will be done. And that is hard. It just is. I think that's why it's called submission. It will always be hard. I would like to say it would get easier with time. I hope it does. But I don't know if I can say that accurately. Because there will always be people. There will always be stuff that tempts us not to be kind. But the Spirit of God is always there saying, don't give in to that. Don't act that way. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't do that. And in that moment, we have to choose who we're going to submit to. Let's pray.